All right, let me uh, let me start just by reading the 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 script of James chapter three. That's what we're going through today. James three is it's shorter than the other ones, um, but it's got a lot in it, and it's very it's very challenging. Today's message we're going to go through and the idea of what it is to be a teacher. We're to go through the idea of of uh, of our tongues. And, and controlling our tongues, that's wonderful. Um, and we're going, to, we're going to be considering wisdom, God's wisdom, as we go through this. And so that's, that's important. Let me read it, and then I'll tell you a story. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We all stumble in many ways, and if anybody does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and it's set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God, thank you so much for your word. Again, we we found everything we do here at Promise Church on the text of your scripture, on what you're saying to us through the word. And so we pray that you would that you would seal this in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I was a kid once. And uh, that happened, and I was a crazy kid. 
I was one of those kids that you couldn't control. I was cheeky. I was loud. I was um, very annoying. I'm sure that's hard to imagine, but I was very annoying. And, uh, and, and so, but I also really got language. Language is something to me that ever since I was young, I understand. I, I know I use the wrong words sometimes, but it's because I know so many words, I just can't choose which one is best. Um, and so, so I, I get language and I've gotten it since I was a child. I've, but as a child, I was very strongly a literalist. It's exactly what it means. It's, it, it, there's no room for like, you know, nuance or anything like that. It's just literal. And uh, that's whatever. My mother is English, born in England. Very, she was, she was a very, um, she was a very frail woman, very proper. Um, I knew I was in trouble when she would, when she would raise her voice, call me by my full name. Um, but the problem with when my mother, who was very little, raised her voice and called me by my full name, her voice would crack and it, it didn't sound intimidating at all. <laughs> um, so here I am, I could overpower my mother, I could speak faster than my mother, louder than my mother, um, I could overpower my mother in so many ways in terms of my demeanor, my personality, and my mom would just get so mad. We used to have huge fights, just huge fights because of a complete clash of personalities. Um, it, it was very, very, at, at this point in my life, it was, it was sometimes hard to get along with my mom, and she had very specific rules around language. She was very particular, because there were things that could be said at school that could not be said at home, and I went to a Christian school. So there were things that I could say at school, like, I farted. That's okay at school, but that's not okay at home. You passed gas, my friend. <laughs> That's what you did. You just passed gas. No, I farted. Come on, seriously. Anyways, we'd have these arguments all the time. I'm like young. It's okay. The, the, my kids love the word fart. It's so much fun. Anyways, so, but there were other words like reverse peristalsis is a, is a biological function for um, throwing up, okay? That's the, that's the actual term, it's reverse peristalsis. There's, there, there are fibers in your throat that usually when you swallow, you feel everything going down. That's because fibers are pushing it down. That's normal peristalsis. Reverse peristalsis, the fibers start pushing things up and stuff comes out and it, sometimes it, you get distance on it, right? <laughs> and, um, and so it was ridiculous and, and here I am, oh, sorry, I told you that because, because my mother would say, oh, you know, you feel like you are going to be sick to your stomach. You feel like you are going to be sick to your stomach. It's like 18 words. This is ridiculous. So there's a really good word for it. It's called puke. Okay, <laughs> it's called puke. That's, that's a really, it's, it, it's not allowed in my house. You're not allowed to say puke in my house. But... I wasn't, I also wasn't a very good student. I didn't go to school very often. I tried to skip out for whatever means I could. Um, I didn't, I, whatever, I just didn't like school. So, <laughs> I gotta communicate to my mom 
that I am sick to my stomach and that I need to pass a lot of gas and it is causing pain. Well, my mom isn't having it because she's like, you get to school. And I'm like, I'm not going to school. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to. I feel sick and blah, blah, blah. We're just, it's escalating in the kitchen. We're just going back and forth, back and forth. And, and finally, I'm like, mom, I am not going to school. I am going to puke. And she said to me, Rob, or Robert, that's a four-letter word in this house. And I went, P U. Okay, and she would get upstairs. <laughs> oh, win! I didn't go to school, <laughs> but so language is something that's really important. Language is language in our culture is is very important. How we say things and how we communicate things um, is is very important. And James spends time here talking about language, talking about our tongue and the choices of, of words that we use and why we use them. And I still never understood why I couldn't say the word puke at home. I didn't say it often after that. But my mom really drove home the point that when you control your tongue, you control your body. What comes out of your mouth the words that you use when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when the world is pushing in on you are probably different than the words that you use when you're at the top of your game. There are words that slip out as, as, we, as we start to feel the exhaustion and, and there are words that we can articulate better and stronger and more clearly when we're at the top of our game. James is talking about when you control your tongue you're able to get there. But he didn't just start with that. He actually started talking with, with the whole idea of teachers. And he says, not many of you should presume to be teachers. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Well, in his context, this is, this is something of a, of a status position. A teacher is a person who actually influences the thoughts of others. By definition, that's what a teacher does. A teacher influences the thoughts of others, and if you are able to influence the thoughts of others, you actually exhibit a level of, uh, or a perception of power. So sociologically, this was a perception of power. It was a position of power to be able to teach inside of a synagogue. It was a position of power to be able to be a rabbi. It was a position of power to be able to, later on, be, be clergy or whatever. And James says, not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. John Calvin in 1941, 1941, that is wrong. It is uh, 1541. Um, I don't know why I wrote 19. He was a, uh, he was a stranger, um, or he had strong moral, moral boundaries. John Calvin read scripture and he, and he translated it with a very, very strict sense of this is what you do and this is what you do not do. John Calvin was very influential in the, in the Protestant Reformation. He pastored a church in Geneva. And in Geneva, um, it was, it was, a, you know, it was a, a Protestant town, city at the time. And it was run by a, a set of governors. And that set of governors set the law of the town. This is what you do and do not do. 
this is this is how you this is how you live your life and these are the things you can't do general laws stuff like you can't steal good on you stuff like you can't murder your neighbor yeah okay good that was the way that that the council and these governors set up the law of geneva well calvin comes in and says the laws are too weak that we need to be more we need to be more uh strict and more regime oriented and this is the way people live and his moral standards were far above the moral standards of of the town council and the and the board of governors that ruled the town and uh and and he actually created such a following by being a teacher that he influenced all of the town of Geneva and the standards of the town actually increased until he got kicked out of town he got ran out um, because they were like we can't live under this this is this is too much this is too much rule this is too much you're controlling my life and so what what Calvin stands I wouldn't say convicted because the, the jury's still out, but what's, what Calvin stands accused of is actually taking a position of teacher and influencing and, and pushing too much power through it and saying, I'm going to control the people so that they live like such. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's interesting. J James is saying, be very careful to presume to exercise as a teacher because there is there's a lot of responsibility there. You know, I, I was thinking in this about you know the way that we teach children. Um, there are there are school teachers, and and you know it's like that's a heavy responsibility. You think about the curriculums that are set in the public school system. You think about what's being taught to our children in our schools. And this isn't spiritual in terms of like what James is talking about, but this is very practical. That that. We argue about the curriculum taught to teachers, or the, or the curriculum teachers teach to our children. We argue about it because we know that a teacher exhibits high amounts of influence in the way that a child perceives the world. A teacher exhibits high amount of influence. And so the choice of what that teacher is going to teach becomes very important for the formation the very formation, it's not just like, oh, well, we teach, you know, math and science and, and, and reading and writing. We actually are forming the children of our culture in our schools. This is what's happening in this school. Children's perceptions, their first worldviews are formed and informed in this school. And so it's very, very important that we consider what is, what is being taught to our children, and if for me, I have I have children in the in in the public school sector, and I love it. It's great, no problem. But I also know that in that world, in the culture that they grow in, I now, as a father, and my wife as as a mother, we have a responsibility to form and influence a worldview that runs counterculture. We have the responsibility to rise up and be teachers.
And so that's very important that, that we remember. And so we understand that there is a level of, of responsibility that will be judged with greater strictness. I'm glad that they didn't actually enumerate the amount of strictness. Like, you will be judged 10 times more strictly than the non-teacher. I'm glad that that's not there. But each one of us has our role where we are responsible for teaching. And we need to take that responsibility very seriously. Very seriously. Okay, so we have gone ridiculously over... Uh, our time today in, in other areas. Thank God for what he's doing. So I'm going to fly through this really fast, and I apologize if I uh, push people uh, too far. We all stumble. There was a teacher friend of mine who was in a library, and she was, and she was uh, listening to a tutor who was teaching a student. So we got three people, teacher, tutor, student. Teacher's overhearing stuff, not involved. Tutor starts teaching a student about math and is getting it wrong. Just full out wrong. Math teacher is going like, oh my gosh, this poor kid. It's not my kid, but it goes to another school, clearly. This, this math teacher is going, the tutor's wrong, tutor's wrong. They're not getting the right answers. They're trying to sort it out. And the teacher is going, oh my gosh, we've got these tutors. Or this tutor is totally teaching wrong, and now it's going to have to be untaught and retaught. That tutor should probably be held to some level of account for messing up that student, where the student's like, what is going on? So... Very important. If a teacher controlled their tongue, they would attain perfection. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. No pressure. Good. Got it. Okay. The tongue. So James 5, uh, 3, 5, and 6. Um, the existence of sin is born from our tongues. The existence of sin is born from our tongues. We talked about the whole way that, that, that sin starts in our mind. We conceive of it. We rationalize it. It comes out. Well, oftentimes it comes out through our tongue. Before it comes out in our actions, it comes out in our tongue. We, we will say something, not like directly, but our, our, it shows our attitudes and our hearts towards what our actions are. And so when, when you listen to somebody speak, you actually could start to hear where their heart really is. And it's really interesting. So um, James used three idioms. I think these are really, really good. And I think I'm going to just use these idioms and, and go through. And then, uh, and then we'll be done today. So James uses three idioms. An idiom is a phrase in a language or a culture. So we have an idiom in our culture that says beat around the bush. If you beat around the bush, you're not getting to the point. Beat around the bush doesn't actually mean anything. Like, to beat around the bush. I don't even know. Like, am I, like, beating somebody? Like, I, like, to beat around the bush, when I translate that into another language, if it's translated literally, it's just like, I have no idea what you're saying. This makes no sense at all. But in our context, beat around the bush makes sense. That's called an idiom. So there are three idioms that James uses in this passage. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to say one right before I get to them. So, um, so the whole tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is... Um, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. That's one, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body um, and setting the entire course of life on fire. The entire course of life is two. 
and set on fire by hell is three. So the world of unrighteousness is an idiom. Now the world of unrighteousness is the Gentile world. You look at other passages of scripture where it talks about the world um, and, and it's very, very clear um, that, that the Gentile world is different. It's out there. It's not us. People who believe in Jesus are separate from the world. John fifteen nineteen says that the world hates you. Um, John eight twenty three says, you are of this world and I am not of this world. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. We know that, that, when, that when we talk about a world of unrighteousness, we're talking about the people outside of the church, that culture, that, that world. We have a different world. And so he's saying, he's saying, this is really, really important. He says that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. Sobering thought for a second. Everybody understood that world of unrighteousness is out there. It's them. We don't behave like them. And James says, wait a second, people. Open your mouth. It's right there. That world of unrighteousness that destroys things, right there. He didn't escape because he came inside of a, of a church. It's right there. It exists inside of each one of us, that world of unrighteousness. When we don't control our tongue, we use it in such a way that it, dis- it does the same destruction out there as it does in here. And James is using an idiom, and then he twists it on us, and he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like doing dental work. You're like, ah, uh-huh. I don't know if anybody in this room knows what dental work is like. Um, <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. You try to talk and you're like, ah, I can't talk. But, but it's right there. The world of unrighteousness is right there. Okay. The entire course of life. This one is so interesting. He says it's, it's um, a world of unrighteousness. So the tongue is set among our members straight. St- Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. This one's interesting. That's not actually what he said. Entire course of life is not what's written in Greek. See, they translated the idiom to try to make it sense, make sense to us. What it says in Greek is it says, Trochontes Genesis. Yeah, okay, great, thank you. What it really means is the wheel of of being. What he's talking about is the wheel of being or beginning. So what we have is James is living a hundred years after a statement named Marcus Tilius Serio, Roman statement who's trying to understand what's happening in the world and he creates an idea called the wheel of being and he coins it and it starts to catch catch on people's thinking and it actually grew it grew more than James knew it was going to grow the wheel of being became a foundation for an understanding of the fates for understanding that the wheel turns as the wheel turns life goes the wheel of fortune is another push off of this idea that the fates are what is responsible for the evil it's all just, you know, whatever happens as life goes on, you experience the evil and, and you experience the good. Sometimes you're riding on top of the wheel and sometimes the wheel is crushing you. All of these ideas came out of this single phrase, this single idiom, the wheel of life. 
You know, um, Jordan, shoot, I forget his last name. He wrote, he wrote, a, uh, he wrote a, an entire set of books called The Wheel of Being. And it's like, it's all fiction and it's 21 or 23 novels and they're boring as anything. Um, They're terrible and he died. And so the story actually never ends and you're just like literally walking along. But it's all about the wheel of being. Pardon me? Robert Jordan, that's it, thank you. and so, so it's all about the wheel of being. And, and what we have here is James is actually picking up that idiom from culture. From culture, it's trying to explain why bad things are happening. And James says that the tongue is set apart among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire wheel of being. It's not the fates that are creating the distractions and the destruction in your life. It's not the fates that are doing all of this. It's right here. Your tongue. Your tongue is destroying things. It is, it is, it is consistently getting in the way. The tongue of, of the community is, is getting in the way and tearing down people's lives. Big deal. Really big deal. Where it's like, as, as we set a community here, we need to be aware that the, the, the power of our tongue as we speak to each other, even on break, it has the ability to set everything on fire. We need to be very careful. Okay, but it's set on fire by hell. Oh, we got this one. Oh, we know what hell is, right? Nope. Nope. We created this. I- we created, no. Hell is a biblical idea. We understand it through through lots and lots of of teachings, we have an understanding of hell. It's a place where, where, you know, Satan came from, or where Satan is going, and it's a place of punishment, and and so it's set on fire by hell itself. But when James is writing, he's actually using a word called Gehenna. Gehenna is an actual place. It's a trash heap, and the way that the that Jerusalem and and most cities. Um, would destroy their trash, the crap, they would actually go burn it, and it would just be burnt just outside of the city. It's, a, it's actually a place, and so, so it's a place that burns crap. Like, it burns all of the garbage, and so they would incinerate all their garbage. They didn't have big dumps like we do. They would just incinerate their garbage, and so that's what this is. This is set on fire by hell. It's a place... The fire of hell is burning in my tongue and destroys people's lives. It destroys peaceful community. We bless God with our tongue and then we curse people who carry the very image of God. We say, God, we worship you. We love you. You're so, you're so wonderful. Why is that person right beside me? I can't stand them. I hate them. And we, and we contradict with our tongue, and the tongue is set on fire. It is a place where it burns other people. We burn people. We burn people with our tongues. And so this is something where James is saying, be careful. Be very careful. Work to control your tongue. Set a guard on your tongue. Set a guard on your tongue so that the words that you speak edify the words that you speak build up. The words that you speak are truth-filled. And they become important for setting community. They become important for prosperity and success. They become important so that your life is stable and, and good. And so, finally, with the wisdom, I'm just going to skip right to the end here where it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, 
full of mercy and good fruits. Thank God. Thank God that he didn't leave me alone with my own wisdom and he didn't leave you alone with your own wisdom and you just figuring it out and being determined I'm going to get it no seek wisdom from God because as God gives you wisdom your tongue becomes bridled and you could take on the responsibility of the teaching places that God has placed you in, the responsibility to teach well and to speak well and to exert positive influence that does not tear down and does not destroy. Let me check. I think I've got a text message here. How do we lead people to God without being a teacher? No, no, no. You actually are a teacher. So we just bring it all the way around where it says, yeah, yeah. We don't want to be like pursue it out of selfish ambition. Don't pursue it out of selfish ambition, but recognize that when it is given to you, you've sought wisdom from God, and now God has, has, has helped you bridle your tongue, and now you can be a teacher without shame. And so now you can actually show others about Jesus with, with that tongue. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that, that you are good. Thank you that you do work here promised church. Thank you that, you that you've given us this time to set aside, put everything aside, and worship you. And today we, we look to you for wisdom. We know that you give it. And Jesus, we ask you to bless our week as we walk into it. In our responsibilities as teachers, influencers, let us speak with wisdom and with words that build up. In Jesus' name, amen.